Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name's Joe Marchlina, and joining me, as always, is Derryfield AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great, Joe. Second season is upon us here, the regular season in the books, ready for the playoffs. Ready for the playoffs, and you better be ready for the playoffs, because uh, they're going to be, I mean, it's it's a sprint to the finish here in, in, boy, in boys and girls lacrosse in New Hampshire. We're, we're done in, in, what, less than, or... 10, 11 days. Uh, I was going to say about a, week, about a week yeah. and a half. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. Um, of course, you can send uh, your questions and feedback to uh, sports at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at sports. You can listen to the show uh, this week. Uh, it's uh, As you're listening to it, it's Thursday morning, uh, most likely. You'll find us there most weeks uh, at nh-highschoolsports.com. Of course, next week, we're gonna uh, we're gonna mix things up a little bit. Do a special um, semifinal preview that'll be up on Tuesday, and then a uh, a championship preview that'll be up uh, either Friday or Saturday. I have to figure that one out. Um, but I guess that'll depend on uh, <laughs> when we can schedule a time to uh, to record it, of course. Um, but and other logistics there. So a couple extra shows. I'm giving up. up. I'm giving up my lunch today, Joe. <laughs> I'm giving up my lunch right now. So we are. We're finding a way. We're finding a way to get it done right now. Well, feel feel free to uh, you know just uh, if I start rambling. I don't think the listeners want to hear me. Chew I was right gonna now, say so. if I start <laughs> rambling, just uh, grab a couple bites while you can. Uh, there you go. All right. And uh, before we get started, uh, let's take a moment to tell you about our sponsors. The presenting sponsor of the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of the Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. Just like the weather, the market is hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with The Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of The Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583. One five eight three, or send him an email at roger at rhowrealestate.com. The Ninth State Sports Show is also proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs. Located in Bedford, Prolax Customs wants to make your stick as unique as the way you play the game. It is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for custom-dyed lacrosse heads, or guys, if you need a stick stringing before we get into the, uh, into the playoffs, you need to contact Joe. To learn more, visit them online at prolaxcustoms.com and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram or email prolaxlacrosse at gmail.com. All right, we are, like we said, into the playoffs, but before we start talking playoffs uh, in the high school, at the high school level, uh, we wanted to give you a quick uh, recap of what happened. Since we mentioned them last week, we wanted to tell you how the, uh, the locals playing in uh, NCAA tournaments uh, at all, all three levels did um, this past weekend. Of course, this... Memorial Day weekend is uh, typically, traditionally, the uh, the end of the college lacrosse season. And uh, I'm going to be honest, it, it really, uh, especially that, that D1 game on Monday, I don't know how much, Coach, you got to see of that. But uh, that, that one, I mean, it looked it looked kind of bleak there for a little bit in the middle, but uh, it was a, a, a certainly a, a, an entertaining game. Definitely entertaining. And, you know, hot take that I've seen thrown around is that, you know, if that game goes another five minutes, Cornell, Cornell yeah. was definitely, was definitely making, making yeah. some moves there. And, um, you know, it definitely, it made for an entertaining uh, final there. Um, you know, Maryland, I, credit to them for running the gauntlet this year. I mean, we're, we're 
arguably in the running for one of the more dominant teams ever to play. I mean, they reminded me a lot of that, that 2012 Loyola team uh, that was pretty dominant all the way through untouchable uh, Cornell gave them a run though. They, they were there. Maryland did get pretty beat up in their game against, against Princeton. And I wondered when I saw that line come out, I think, I think DraftKings had them as, was it six and a half? Seven started, and a half I think it favorite. started at seven and a half and, and it got down to six and a half. It, 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 yeah, it felt like, it felt like they were, they were attempting to take the under. And I, I almost, I almost did just based on, <laughs> based on the, uh, based on the, for fun, obviously. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, uh, but based on the, the injuries they had coming out of that game, uh, I had a feeling in championship games tend to be a little closer. Coaches, coaches tend to be a little bit more conservative. So I, I thought that might be coming in the championship game there, but the, the two semifinal games, uh, you know, I had to deal with, with weather delays, later starts, um, but yeah, we had we had the Cameron brothers playing yeah. there. It was kind of yep. fun fun to see both of them playing there. Well, you mentioned the weather delay in that first game between Rutgers and Cornell, and I, I watched the uh, you know the first half, and uh, you know it was Saturday afternoon. I'm kind of hanging around, got nothing really to do. So you know I watched the first half. I'm like, all right, you know what? Halftime, I'm gonna go get you know kind of go get ready, uh, do a couple things, and come back watch the rest of the game. And hopefully <laughs> it's not. Hopefully I'll, you know I'll catch the second game probably. And uh, seriously, I spent about three hours doing errands and stuff and came back in time for the second half of the first game. Uh, you know, best best plan I think I've ever had for, for doing something during a halftime and uh, and then being able to get to watch the game. I got to tell you, I, I looked like a rock star to my wife. I was able to get a lot of yard work done. So, you know, she thought I was being really selfless, giving up, giving up lacrosse on TV, the championships. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> honey. I'm going to go get all this done yeah. right now. Um, you know, worked I, out I, for everybody. <laughs> um, you know, but both games, um, really just tough ones for for the local guys, for the Cameron brothers. Uh, Brian Cameron did have two goals in in uh, the loss uh, for Rutgers. Um, but you know, I I, I got to say, I would imagine overall that they're they're pretty happy with uh, you know how those seasons turned out for both programs. You know, I, I've been able to I've been able to talk to both of them since then, and yeah, it stings not being able to get to play in the championship. I mean, what a cool story it would have been to to have the two facing off against each other uh, there. But I mean, I think coming into the season, the goal for both of them was to help get their programs to the playoffs. Um, you know, Princeton obviously a, a storied history, um, but you know, a real resurgence for them this season, uh, getting back to the Final Four and Rutgers. You know, the deepest run they've ever made, uh, and Brian getting to be a part of that. Um, you know, so they're, they're really, I, I, yeah, they're really, they're, they're ecstatic about, about the way their season went, you know, and they, they both played major roles throughout the season for their teams. So, uh, you know, incredible experience, uh, and an incredible experience for their family too, to get to get to see them the weekend before playing the same venue and then to get to play on, on final four weekend, a a really, really neat experience, something they'll never forget. Yeah. So congrats to, uh, to both of them, uh, on, on great seasons. And, uh, we did, um, you know, at other levels, um, you had a couple of local uh, local athletes win national champions championships uh, in the D two men's final. You had uh, Tampa and uh, and and former Bedford player uh, Cormac McCarthy, uh, who uh, pulled out a win against Mercy eleven uh, seven. That was this past Sunday, uh, the first title in uh, in the program history there, and they finished the year undefeated. At, I believe at twenty one and zero. Cormac, a, uh, a you know starter on defense uh, for them, uh, I believe most of this season. So congrats to him and, and, and to his Tampa teammates there. Great. You know, Bedford, uh, the Bedford Bulldogs there on social media, you know, had some had some great pictures posted with with him with the trophy and everything. And, the you know, just great to see the the significant uh, contributions he was able to make during the season. Um, 
to me, that that's an incredible story for Tampa. I mean, I remember when that program first started, um, you know, the, the school was kind of considered at the time sort of a, a you know, a, almost like a day school, you know, like a, a, a commuter school kind right, of thing. Yeah. And they've really yeah. changed, they've really changed the culture of, of what the, the program is down there. Um, I, we had some kids early on go down there and they didn't have a great experience with the program. And now, you know, with coaching changes and, and a change in culture, um, they've got it rolling down there. Um, and it, it's become, it's become a powerhouse. So, you know, it's, it's great to see Cormac have that success. And then uh, uh, in the D3 women's final, uh, you had uh, uh, Portsmouth uh, native Grace Getman and her uh, her Middlebury team. Uh, they they first they got a win over uh, Gettysburg in the semifinal, uh, won that game 18 to five. Grace had a goal in that game, and then in the final, uh, top they beat Tufts uh, 13 to five, and uh, and Getman had two more goals in that one. So uh, congrats to her and, and Middlebury uh, pulling out the uh, the Division three women's championship there. And then uh, in the uh, the D1 women's final, uh, I don't know if you got to watch any of this one. This was kind of – Sunday was a little bit of a, a tough one, trying to bounce around between these games because it felt like a lot of them were going on at the same time. Um, and, and for me personally, I was at my, my other job during the day, so I'm like running in and out trying to do things there and also keep an eye on these games. But that what I saw of the North Carolina-Boston College uh, final there in the in, in Division One. Uh, just a tremendous game and, and an exciting finish there. Uh, North Carolina hangs on to win that one, 12-11. Um, you know, so they, they complete an undefeated season as well, uh, knocking off the, the defending national champs. And that was just a, a, a fun game to uh, to follow there. I, I got to see the, the semifinal when they played Northwestern and somehow were able to, with, <laughs> with 9-16 to play down by seven goals, yeah. come back and win that. I mean, just unbelievable. Like, that just doesn't happen. No, no, it doesn't. Um, you know, and so for them to be able to, to have an undefeated season after after that, uh, you know, unbelievable. I mean, Northwest heartbreaking for Northwestern. Uh, you know, probably probably played one of their one of their best games of the season, and and to come up just short like that. But uh, you know, a heck of a run from North Carolina. I mean, anybody if you haven't gotten a chance to see the girls' game at the D one level, if you haven't had a chance, uh, go back and watch some of the highlights. I mean, some of the stuff that the girls can do uh shooting i mean could you imagine if they put an eight meter shot in for boys like that the things like the things that could happen i mean some of these girls uh, it's incredible the yeah. way that they can shoot now with without the the type of pockets that the boys have yeah. um i mean I, I as a former goal i i wouldn't want to step in that in front of some of those i mean it's uh from eight meters it's it's impressive now and uh you know it's high level very skilled um, incredible athletes out there. So I, I would highly recommend anyone who has the opportunity go go watch some of those uh, semifinals and, and and the final game on demand. There, really high level lacrosse this weekend. Yeah, those those shots have become. I mean, to me, I I don't know if coaches would say this, but to me, as a spectator, you know, it, it sometimes reminds me of of getting a free throw. Right, you know, you, a little you, bit. You're in yeah. that spot, and and you really, um, I mean, the you know. Any goalie that makes a save in in those that position is uh, you know is doing a tremendous job in my book because that's I don't know how you stop that. Um, I think a, a lot of times it's it just has to be you, you guess right or or the ball gets put in the right place. But I mean those those shots if you don't if you're not making them I mean that's a huge momentum swing and and um, I mean yeah it just yeah it's, that's it's the biggest crazy difference. To watch. That's the biggest difference, and I think in terms of goaltending training for you know on the on the girls side versus guys side is it, is it's a lot more 
in those situations about about baiting the shooter or, or making the shooter do what what gives you the highest percentage chance of saving the ball right and sort of developing your own technique in terms of where you want that shooter to shoot right if you're just sitting there and trying to react to the shot you've got zero chance yeah. you know so you sort of do have to you really do have to kind of abate the shooter into where you want them or at least try and get them to shoot where you want them to shoot at that point and, and i like your analogy about the free throw because it is almost uh it is almost as painful when you when you miss a free throw like that, right? Like it's right. you know yeah. it's an opportunity. It's it's three points and and it's kind of like um, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like that in girls lacrosse now, where you're almost expected to score off that eight meter. Yeah. The the one thing I will say I, I don't like is when you score when they, they score, and there's a there's a foul committed there, and they take the goal off the board so that you get that shot. And then you don't make that, you know, it's, it's one of those, I, I can't think of any other sport where you do, you, you almost penalize the offensive team for the defense's mistake uh, yeah. in, in that situation. I mean, it'd be like, think about that. And in, 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 again, in basketball terms, if you had an and one and you're like, nope, foul, we're, we're the basket doesn't count, but you're going to get two free throws. And then you yeah. miss both, both free throws. Like right. it just, I, that, that always drives me nuts. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. We've it, had, We've actually had some cases in, in, in our indoor league, obviously not as high stakes, right, but like right. in our indoor league during the winter where that's happened in playoff games where like we, we've had a team score, but they wipe it off because it was shooting space. And then all of a sudden they miss, they miss the eight meter. Right. And then it's, you know, it's, it's a big, yeah, I, I, that is a rule that like, I don't know how you change that because it, it is done for the safety of players. Right, right. And and I understand why they need to do it, but it does feel like it, it does feel like more of an, like, if there's an if there's an eminent scoring opportunity there, why would you not as a defender step in front? Right? At least now now you're now you're making them earn it another time, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it does feel like a little bit. Um, actually, that uh, that happens on. I can't remember exactly the game, but that happened on the boys' side in the in the D1. I'm trying to remember the game where basically the defender, uh, the goal, the the guy had a one on one with the goalie, and basically the defender shoved him. Uh, from behind into the into the goal mouth and he landed in there he had scored but he landed in the goal mouth so even though it was a penalty on the defense it wiped out the goal and then they went man up they turned it over and the other team scored man down so not only did they not get a goal out of it <laughs> they they ended up giving up the goal man down uh, as well so that's like and i ah, it's killing me i can't remember the, the game i which think game i, it I was, think but, i remember i think um, i did see that so it was probably one of the the Rutgers or Princeton games because I feel like those are the ones I watched the most yeah. over yeah. the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we get, we got off on a little tangent there, so let's uh, let's let's just say real Refocus. quick. Yeah, uh, Division three final. You had RIT uh, with a twelve ten win over Union. That was what back to back championships now for RIT, I believe. Yep, Coach Jay Kuhn, uh doing a great job. Doing a great job up there. Built built a powerhouse. I mean, growing up in upstate New York, I got to tell you, if you if you had told me that RIT was going to be a Division three powerhouse, I would have said you were crazy. I mean, just you know, it used to be a very specialized school in terms of uh, you know the the um, the majors that they offered more of a tech school. Um, they actually they offer a lot now. It's a very attractive uh, school for kids to go to now. High level academics and obviously you know powerhouse in terms of lacrosse. Um, you know, and it's, it's, he's, he's capitalized. He's found the right, he's found the right kids to bring into school there. All right. So that, uh, that is, uh, our little wrap up on, uh, on college, on the college season. So now we get into, uh, we, we got playoffs coming up here in, in New Hampshire in high school sports. Um, you know, the, everything gets underway for the boys uh, on Thursday, you got uh, two kind of play-in games in Division One, one in Division One and one in Division Three, and then uh, 
six preliminary round games in Division Two. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it, this is a fun couple of days here when you kind of get to see what you know. Most of these teams played during the regular season, so you kind of get to see how teams have kind of grown since the the previous meeting, or or you know, it, it, and and in Division One, I, I think all of these matchups um, are incredibly intriguing. Uh, starting with Thursday's prelim, uh, you've got number nine Sauhegan going to uh, number eight Concord. You know they played a couple weeks ago, uh, I believe in Concord again, and, and the Crimson Tide won that game seven to six. Um, you know they had a kind of a, a, a tough final week of the season there, where you know Concord was in line for, you know maybe uh, I think it's, they could have gotten as high as six in the standings. Um, three games to finish out the season, and they lost all three of them. Um, two of them by one goal. So um, kind of a, ch- a chance for the, the Tide to maybe uh, redeem themselves a little bit, you think? A- absolutely. I, and, I mean, I, I think it also plays to their advantage that they did get the eight seed and they'll, they'll be hosting. Um, you know, Sahegan being a turf team, we've talked about the advantage that, that Concord has on the, on the grass field up there. It's not an easy field to play on. Um, and in, in a tight game like that where the two teams are fairly evenly matched, that can make a difference. One team knowing how to shoot on that surface and the other team maybe being a little uncomfortable or maybe your goaltender being a little more uncomfortable on a surface like that. Huge, huge advantage for uh, Coach Smith and the boys up there. The winner of that game, of course, gets uh, number one Exeter in the quarterfinals on Saturday. Uh, Exeter had, you know, handled both, I think, pretty well. Um, You'd say during the regular season, they played Sauhegan once, uh, beat them by 13 goals, and then played Concord twice. Oddly enough, in their first, first and in their last, close. first game was a little, a little close. closer, yeah. um, and and then Exeter pulled away late. Uh, that was the first game of the season, and then they played again in the last game of the season, uh, which which Exeter went to Concord and won seventeen to five last uh, Thursday. Um, so whichever team wins, uh, obviously, is going to have a tough task uh, going into Bill Ball Stadium and and trying to knock off the Blue Hawks. Yeah, it's a tall task for anybody. I mean, Exeter is playing really well right now, firing on all cylinders. I mean, we've talked about Aiden Drunzik throughout the season and, and how well he's been playing. Um, you know, I think you saw Portsmouth. Portsmouth kind of gave, uh, you know, a good a good game plan for any of these early round teams to kind of you, you have to be able to win the draw. You've got to be paid. You're going to have to handle their pressure on defense, um, you know, Guys like Tanner Smith are, are gonna are gonna press out and they're gonna they're gonna come after you. Um, they want to play fast. They want to get up and down the field. They want to create turnovers. Um, Coach Brewster makes no no bones about it. Like he want he wants to play fast, get transition goals, um, and get the get the ball on the stick of his playmakers. Um, so I, I think that that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for either Salvegan or Concord, whoever gets them. They're going to need to somehow change the pace of the game, right, and try and try and slow it down a little bit, frustrate them. You know, do you do you do you try and throw a zone at them at different times? Uh, you know, that was one thing that was successful for Concord the first time around. I didn't. You know, did you happen to see the second time that that Concord played Exeter? Did I did not. I did not. Yeah. The, yeah. The 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 end of last end, the last week of the season here was kind of a sprint to the finish for for me here. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to cram in a bunch of stuff, so unfortunately, I did not see too much from that game. So that would be interesting for me to know is like, you know, did Concord play a zone the second time around and was Exeter prepared, you know, more prepared or did Concord knowing that they might play him again, playing kind of straight up and not give him mm, a second look yeah. at that zone. Right. Or, or does South Egan win that game and do they have a zone that they're able to play out there? Cause yeah. I think that is the key. You've got to, you got to change the tempo somehow against, against Exeter. 
And then, um, you know, on the other side of that, bra- or in the, on that side of the bracket, too, you got the 5-4 matchup with, uh, with Merrimack, uh, the 5, going to play Londonderry, the 4 seed, on Saturday. And, and two teams that, um, you know, down the stretch um, were playing as good as anybody. Mer- Merrimack had a, a strange uh, first couple weeks of the season where they alternated wins and losses pretty much every game uh, until their last four. They won their last four games including uh, a one-goal game in overtime against uh, against Concord to get the five seed. And then Londonderry, you know, they had been um, cruising along after a r- kind of a rough start to the season. Um, they won 10 of 11 games at one point. But then, as we talked about last week, they went into Pinkerton in that season finale and just um, kind of got smacked in the mouth there. Yeah, it was uh... – that was a that was a tough that was a really tough uh, a game for them there. I think, but you got to remember too, Pinkerton was coming off a game where they they yeah, wanted they, to yeah. they wanted to really prove themselves, right? And so I I think that was I think that was, there was some motivation behind behind that as well, um, you know there. But you know I I I really Merrimack is playing. I mean this this is probably their. Have, I, I don't have it in front of me. Have they ever made a Final Four before? I don't think so. Um, I know they they made the playoffs in Division One. Um, I want to say in 2015 or 2016 when they had moved up before, uh, but I think it was a play-in game. I'm not positive they won. Um, I don't think that they did, but I, I'm pretty sure they've never made a Final Four. Um, yeah, I mean this is this is this is probably their program's best opportunity to 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 make a Final Four here. Um, you know, it will be it'll be a tough it'll be a tall task. I mean, uh, you know, having to play at Londonderry, um, you know, it's it it's going to be tough. But they they've got the, it seems like they're playing really well right now, and they've they've got a great opportunity to do it. Yeah, they these two teams played way back on April fifteenth, uh, which was a ten seven Londonderry win. Um, yeah. completely different teams. I got to assume from, from that point. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think one thing that, that maybe not, not that you, you mentioned the game being at Londonderry. And, uh, I think a lot of teams, you know, you look at some of the other teams in the, in the division, um, so many turf teams now, um, you know, so that would have been a, you know, had, had Londonderry been hosting, um, you know, let's say Bedford or, um, or Sauhegan, you know, I think that's a bit of an advantage for them making those teams come play on grass, but Merrimack plays on a grass field too. So I think that kind of, you know, any advantage Londonderry might have had there on the surface just kind of it, it maybe evens out a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I in, like we said, they played so long ago that both teams, if you look at both teams, that was, you know, we talked early in the season that Londonderry, you know, got off to a little bit of a slow start. And then there was that steady climb where they just rattled off a whole bunch of wins. They were they were doing really well and, and looking as hot as any team in the division. And so did Merrimack. Merrimack started started gelling too. I think Merrimack had a team, I remember uh from indoor, some some new kids coming into their program. Uh I, I believe they had a kid come in from out of state that transferred. So that's gonna take some time for for those kids to gel together. And so I, I, I think this out of all the games if you're if you're sort of looking after that Sauhegan Concord play in that game to me is, is one of the most intriguing. And then there, there's another game that we'll talk about a little bit later <laughs> that I think that I think could be a good one too. But yeah, yeah that Merrimack Londonderry game, I'm, I'm excited for that one. I think, I think it's going to be a, a tough, hard fought close game. So uh, on the other side of the bracket, you've got um, Bishop Girton hosting Bedford. Uh, BG is the two seed. Bedford is the seven seed. Um, you know, in a, in a game where if you're just looking at the score on paper, uh, you know, you see that BG won fifteen to seven uh, back on May 9th in the, in the regular season. 
Uh, but there was a little bit more to that score than than what you're seeing there because that game was what tied at five going into halftime. It went deep into the third quarter, yeah, uh, where yeah. it was still where it was still anyone's where it was still any well on score. It looked like any anyone's game there. Um, you know the one thing the one thing that uh, you know I think uh, Bedford probably you know again they're they're playing the games that are in front of them and they did what they did not knowing that they were going to have to play BG in the first round but having shown them you know the 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 zone that they they. Had, decided to play that game that that sort of did cause bg a lot of fits for a little while you know that that gives bg a huge advantage right now they've they've got almost you know a week to prepare uh you know to kind of kind of say okay here's how we're going to attack it if we see it again um you know do the bulldogs have any wrinkles they can throw to it can they change it up a little bit so that make make bg think again i mean that that's kind of what we were talking about for that the winner of sahegan and concord against exeter can you change can you make the team can you make the more dominant team uncomfortable Right. Can you put them in a situation where they got to think where there's a little where self-doubt creeps in a little bit. Right. And they're questioning, you know, whether or not to, to, to pull the trigger on a shot. Um, all those things kind of kind of played a factor there, um, you know. And uh, but that being said, you know, if JJ, if, if they've, they've got the they've got the X factor there, you know, they can take some chances because JJ, JJ is going to he's going to win the majority of the faceoffs there. And he's got the ability to pinch and pop at any time um, and go on a fa- start a fast break. And then the uh, the final uh, Division One matchup, you've got uh, number six Pinkerton going to number three Nashua South, uh, which probably I think if the season had hit at the start of the season, if if you'd have told us this was going to be a first round matchup, you'd probably flip those seeds, you know, and think that Pinkerton was uh, going to be the team hosting uh, as the number three seed. But uh, this is you know different year for Nashua South, different year for Pinkerton. Um, you know they. Had a, a little bit of a struggle down the stretch there, um, dropping four in a row before that uh, win over Londonderry last week. Um, you know they they've been banged up at times this year. Um, going into to this game, um, down a couple of depth guys, but potentially also down. Um, you know, still not sure the status on on Riley Spellman, whether he'll be back for this game or not. He missed um, the last, I believe, three uh, for the Astros. So that's a that's a huge injury for them. And then one of those three losses was was to Nashua South, uh, seven to three, on uh, the twenty third of May, um, yeah. which was a game that, um, you know, I, I joked about that that Trinity Hopkinton triple overtime game earlier this year being, you know, the the hardest to watch exciting game ever. Um, this game this game wasn't that much farther behind you where it was, you know, you're kind of on the edge of your seat, but you know it's it's. It was a little tough to watch at times, just because South is trying to slow it down. Pinkerton is is rushing a little bit to try to get back into it. Um, but you know that win was the first one uh, for South in in what twenty three years, uh, as far as far as we can tell, over Pinkerton twenty three, yeah. maybe twenty four for sure. Um, and I guess well, the big I question is: is take... Can South do oh, it? Sorry, twi- can South do it twice in in, in ten days? Yeah, and that's where I was going with that. Is I think it's going to take a similar effort from Ethan Johnson. I mean, he had twenty plus saves the first time, the first go around there. Um, you know, I think with with Cole Frank at the faceoff circle again, they're going to Pinkerton's going to get possessions. They're going to get opportunities in the offensive end there. Um, and so I, I, Ethan Ethan's going to have to really really step up. Ethan's going to have to really step up again and and make you know have a huge day like that. Um, 
So, uh, you know, and, and the other thing, you know, I wanted to touch on is that I think, you know, no one's going to cry for Pinkerton, right? They've got a huge enrollment. They've got lots of athletes. They've got tons of kids. But I, I got to tell you, from my standpoint, I think uh, this could be Coach Goudreau's one of the, one of his best years coaching in terms of uh, the way he's brought his team together and dealt with so many injuries, um, new guys stepping into roles. Again, nobody, nobody's probably going to feel bad for Pinkerton, but I know from Steve's standpoint, you know, he, he's worked really hard to, to get his team where it is. They, they've challenged themselves with a really strong yeah, out-of-state schedule. Yeah, yeah. And I think if there's anything that's going to kind of push them through maybe this round game, if, they, if they're able to beat South, it's that they have challenged themselves. They have, they, they have been able to have other guys step up when guys like Spellman have been out of the lineup. Um, so I would, I mean, I would never count Pinkerton. I would never count no, Pinkerton out. Um, you know, I, I think it will, I think it's going to be another exciting game. It'll be close. Um, and like I said, I, I think the guy, the, the, the two guys that probably, you know, to keep an eye on would be obviously be Ethan, Ethan and net, you know, does he have, is he locked in again? Does he have another, you know, does he stand on his head? And then Cole Frank, you know, how dominant can he be until up until when he had, he had gone up against JJ. Um, I mean, he, he was, he was as dominant as any, any Fogo in, in the state. Yeah. He, he dominated out of the out of state competition this year. Um, you know, he, so he, he's a true weapon. Again, he's another guy that can pinch and pop at any time. And the, you've seen games this year where Pinkerton, where that's kind of sparked them, right. Where, where Cole has been able to, to get some easy ones going and that it, it kind of propels the whole offense from there yeah. um, and, and builds some confidence. You know, you, you mentioned their out-of-state schedule, and they certainly didn't hide from anybody uh, nope. in Mass this year. I mean, you look, looking at, at the lax numbers uh, rankings, and Pinkerton's got losses out-of-state to uh, – oh, and we're, I just, of course, I just closed the window. There we go. Um, to Hingham, who's number two, uh, Medfield, who's number three, uh, Longmeadow, who's number six, and uh, St. John's Shrewsbury, who's number 15 uh, all, in Mass overall. Um, those are their overall state rankings, not by division. So, I mean, that that's a even even in years where Pinkerton has been at its best, um, that's a that's a tough schedule. It it yeah, it, it it was a challenging schedule no matter who. And if you look at their scores, they they were competitive in all of those games. The final score may not be as indicative of how those games went, but they they were in all those games and those were also games where they, they, they had guys beat up and missing too. So they're battle tested. They'll be ready. Um, I don't, you know, I don't see either South or Pinkerton running away with that game. I mean, though, that was the game I was alluding to earlier besides, yeah. besides Merrimack and Londonderry. I think those, those, those are going to be two great matchups in, in uh, division one in the first rounds. So that's, uh, that's how division one looks uh, again. Um, Sauhegan Concord will play their prelim on Thursday. The rest of those games, are scheduled for Saturday. Uh, times uh, could still be changing. I know Pinkerton South has already been moved to 11 a.m. on Saturday. BG Bedford, if it hasn't been officially announced, is is I'm, as far as I understand, is going to be at 3:30 uh, on Saturday. Both those games at Stellos. Um, as of right now, the other two still scheduled for five, but I'm, I imagine Exeter is going to have to move that game up because there's other playoff games scheduled for for their stadium uh, later in the day. So. Uh, we'll try to keep, I'll try to keep that as up to date as I can on the website, but, um, definitely check in with your schools, uh, before you, uh, before you make plans and start, uh, heading somewhere that, uh, time may have changed. Schools and, uh, you know, the NHIA website, if you go to the tournament tab there, they, they yes. have been doing a good job as, as ADs get them in, they, they get it updated as quickly as they can, but yeah, always a good idea to check with the school before you go. Yeah. 
Well, in Division Two, um, of course, a different uh, different setup because of the amount of teams. You've got uh, 14 teams making the playoffs, which means the top two seeds get buys. You've got Portsmouth number one, Dairyfield number two. So, coach, enjoy your uh, your day off tomorrow. Uh, not really your day off, but you know your 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 buy. A little more preparation. Uh, yeah, yeah, another. Yeah, you get. We. I imagine you'll be getting out. You'll, you're going to go anywhere and watch any of these games. We might, um, you know, we, I, I've got a, I've got a pretty good scout for most of the teams that we might see. Um, I'm really trying to be honest with you, Joe, I'm really trying to focus on my guys and what we need, what we need to work on. We, we know our strengths, we know our weaknesses, and we're trying to work on those things uh, to get ready for our, our quarterfinal matchup on Saturday. And then, you know, hoping, hoping that we win that game, you know, things that we might need to do later to, if, if we're able to advance, Um so, yeah, I mean, scouting is important, but there's also so much that's been on tape and other ways to look at it. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a game time decision for me whether or not we we go out and, and scout there. Um, I'm really interested in, in trying to continue to get my guys better. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be some great opportunities. A lot of a lot of good first round matchups there if, if people want to go see some games. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of games. Well, to start right off the bat, you know, you got the eight nine game um, with Oyster River Newmarket hosting Hanover. Uh, a hot handover. Hot handover. Two teams that didn't play. Uh, the only, I, as far as I can tell, the only match playoff matchup um, of the uh, of, of on the boys' side where the two teams didn't play during the regular season. Um, so that's kind of an interesting one too. I mean, you you talked about in some of those D one games about whether you you know you you keep anything close to the vest there before you know thinking you may have to play in the playoffs. Well, these two yep. teams they can throw everything out there. Um, like you said, Hanover has been hot. Uh, three straight wins to end the season. Uh, four out of five well overall. Right yeah, they've yeah. they've uh, last three games gave up seven, five, and six in terms of goals. Um, two of those over playoff teams in Goffstown and Conval. And then you look at Oyster River Newmarket. A um, little bit of a struggle down the stretch, uh, but they were playing some of the iron in the division. Uh, you know, with Winnicott, St. Thomas, and Portsmouth on that that late schedule. Um, but you know, they're, they're a team that, that when they can score, um, you know, they're really tough to beat. Yeah. And I mean, they, they have a, they have a strong defense, Amani Harvey at LSM, then Mason in the nets, um, Sam Gilmet at midfield. Uh, you know, they, they've definitely got some weapons and when they put it all together, they're, they're a tough team to beat. Um, you know, Hanover, they have a standout in DH Hendricks, uh, you know, for them, that's, uh, I believe he's going on to play at Oberlin next year um so really you know it two very intriguing matchup two teams that you know i, I think they're gonna have they're, they're gonna be feeling each other out. i'm expecting a, a honestly a low pretty low scoring game you know i could see this being a nine six you know eight seven type of game um you know just be for, for one because the teams you know being unfamiliar with each other and and not knowing personnel matchups maybe the way they would if they were playing somebody that you know they traditionally play um, you know, I, I don't know when the last time Oyster River and yeah, would have played. I was each just other. thinking that. Yeah, I don't know if they, I mean, probably never, I would think. They may never, yeah. It may yeah. be the first matchup in program history. <laughs> uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, uh, just threw this into the Google Maps and uh, the drive from Hanover to Oyster River, uh, if we were to take it right now, this moment is an hour and 47 minutes. Ooh. So that's. Um, I, I mean I don't I don't you know talk about I'm, bus legs yeah, yeah right hopefully Hanover maybe maybe they their boosters are, are able to get them a coach bus uh, for this one uh, but that's um, I, I mean I, I hopefully they get there they're getting there early enough they can get out and stretch a little bit uh, extra before that game starts but that is um, you know wouldn't be surprised to see Oyster River jump out early in that one just because of that yeah 
Yeah. You know, then you look at, um, you know, that's the top half of the, uh, the very top of the bracket. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say top half, top of the bracket where the winner of that game then gets to play uh, Portsmouth in the quarterfinals on Saturday. The other matchup up there you've got, or the other two matchups, you've got um, number 12, Memorial Central, going on the road to play at number five, St. Thomas. And then um, probably one of the, the more intriguing ones in the division, um, you've got number 13, Hollis Brookline, going on the road to play number four, Timberlane, in uh, not only a rematch of a game from a couple weeks ago, but a rematch from a playoff game last year uh, that the Owls won, uh, kind of jumpstart their run. Yeah. Yeah, that was one that turned some eyes that, you know, both both teams, Hollis had been hot coming into the playoffs last year. Uh, Timberlane all of a sudden turned it on, you know, and that was a score where it was a tight game. And then the second half, all of a sudden, Timberlane found a second gear and was able to break that thing open. Um, but you're right. You know, normally you look at a 4-13 game and you're like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know, it's probably, maybe, maybe it'll be close for a yeah. little while. This is one where, you know, because of uh, injuries and other things that have happened at Hollis this year, Hollis is a team that really I, I don't think anybody really wanted to see uh, coming into the playoffs here. Um, and and the other the other thing that makes this intriguing is the last time that these two teams played in eight six game, I don't believe that Hollis's faceoff guy was available, Justin Colby. Um, so you know a, a real game changer there. Um, you know it's 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 definitely a matchup that people want to see. Uh, Friday Night Lights is going to cover the game, uh, so it's it's gotten the attention of a lot of people there. I think. You know, hopefully, hopefully the uh, the hype matches the the, the reality <laughs> of the game because uh, yeah. it, it it is a really intriguing matchup on paper right now. And Hollis has some guys that can that can score. Um, I'm hearing hearing rumors that they're going to possibly be even more healthy for that game. Um, so it's it's a team that seems to be getting hot at the right team time. But again, Timberlane, tons you know tons of, of uh, you know star power for them as well. There, Ethan Gary. Uh, down on attack, Braden Bowman, Eric George, uh, you know, that that's a, a three-headed monster on attack that we've talked about this season that, you know, all of those guys can put the ball in the back of the net, very unselfish players. And then, you know, they've got the eraser in net in, in Brady Marston, who, you know, um, if if things aren't going as well in the faceoff circle, you know, has the ability to say, okay, fine, you know what, we're going to let you shoot and we're going to let Brady, and that's as good as that's as good as winning the faceoff because he's going to get it up and out and we're going to start transition. Um you know, and they've got Gary Schibel on on defense. Uh, it, it's it's full. This game is full of star players and, and full of intrigue. Yeah, it's um. You mentioned yeah, you mentioned that regular season game was was just it was an eight six win uh, for Timberlane uh, at home. Um, part of a stretch to end the season for for Hollis that um, is is quite eye opening. They of course started the year one and seven with, with and battling a lot of those injuries that you mentioned. Um, you know, but even in their losses down the stretch, you know, close games they. They, uh, you know, lose thirteen to nine to to your guys uh, in early May, eight six to Timberlane and eight seven last Wednesday to to Wyndham, you know, in a game that um, was kind of there for them to take. They just couldn't capitalize on opportunities, and Wyndham was able to uh, to kind of possess out to win that game. Like just kind of held the ball there late, uh, really to keep it away from Hollis. Yeah. Lucky me, lucky me. They were they were getting healthy right as they right as they decided to play Dairy Field. And uh, I warned I warned other coaches. I said, "Don't be fooled by their record. Like these guys are good." And I don't know that people took me real seriously at the time. But then all of a sudden, that Timberlane scores pops up, that the Wyndham score pops up, right? And people all of a sudden are like, "Yeah, wow, these guys, you know, they 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 are they're putting it together." Um, so 
again, uh, that that is that is pro- that is the opening round game of, of Division Two that everybody has circled yeah. right now. You know, the other one I mentioned there too. Um, you know, Memorial Central and uh, and St. Thomas. Um, you know, I, I think Central or Memorial Central in in the maybe not quite injuries their problem uh, early in the year, maybe just kind of getting experience. But they their uh, season mirrored Hollis's a little bit. You know, slow start. Um, they open up the year. Uh, one and seven as well, and then win six of their last four games uh, to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, a couple of uh, of close wins over some teams that were also um, trying to fight for some of those last playoff spots. Um, you know, so I, of course they, you know, one of those losses down the stretch, a, a tough. Uh, they did lose at, uh, against St. Thomas, sixteen to one. So obviously going to be a tough matchup for them. Uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday night, as they move that game to a to a seven o'clock start at St. Thomas. Um, but you know, got to feel feel good uh, to see um, that program get into the playoffs and have the success that it's had this year. I've really been impressed with with what Coach Jordan Denavo has done over there. Uh, he he's done a great job of of not only getting numbers out, but like the 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 level and the level of play in lacrosse IQ has been really impressive. Uh, the growth of the game. Um, you know, it's a it's a program that I hope can can continue on that trajectory because uh, it's been nice to see to see lacrosse growing in Manchester and see so many kids out. Uh, they've got a full JV team, um, and you're right; like it did mirror Hollis' season. The fact too that like early in the season, you could tell that there was something building there. You know, they they lost eight two to Nashua South, a good Nashua South team. Uh, they they lost seven six to Hollis Brookline. Um, you know, they played tight games with Oyster River and Gosstown. So you, you could kind of tell that there, there was definitely something there. You know, they opened the season with a with an eight seven win over Hanover. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's great to see, you know, lacrosse doing well in Manchester again. Uh, and then on the other side of the this time, we are going to the other half of the bracket. Um, and actually, the uh, so the, the matchup that that your guys uh Winner of this game will play at Derry Field on, on Saturday. You got number ten Cole Brown going to play number seven Conval. In um, you know if if uh, if that Hollis Brookline Timberline game isn't the the most intriguing one, then maybe this one is because um, these when these teams played in the regular season, Cole Brown went to Conval and won six five uh, at the end of April. So this game. A marquee win for yeah. Cole Brown too. Like they, they definitely circled that one. That was one that they said, "Hey, look, you know, we want to make some waves in the playoffs and and be a team." And you know, they got that was a that was a really good road win for them. And and great to see, I think, both of these programs um, get into the playoffs and have the success that they did this year. Um, yep. You know, I, I really two teams that that um, sometimes it feels like being up in D two. Maybe they're they're punching above their weight a little bit. Um, so really glad to see them get into the playoffs and one of them is going to come out with a playoff win. You know, I, I, am interested to see who stepped, you know, it being that the two teams seem as evenly matched as they do. When you think of Cole Brown, you think of David Lee on attack. And when you think of Conval, you think of Ronan McNamara on attack. Now, if you're in the club scene, maybe you don't think of Ronan McNamara on his attack, but he had, he's had a great season this year. Uh, you know, by, by trade, he's, he's a, he's a very, very good long pole defenseman, close defenseman but he's been playing attack for Conville. Those two names, anybody who plays those two teams know those are the two guys that you, you've got to shut down. So who, you know, knowing that both teams know that about each other, who else is going to step up, right? Who are the guys that are going to be the difference makers in that game that tips the balance uh, of the scales there in favor of one side or the other? Um, so that, that'll be, you know, again, can Cobrown go out to Conville again and get, and get a W um, that'll be, that'll be a, 
yeah, I agree with you. If if the Hollis Timberland game is 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 one A, then that that'll be one B. Yeah, yeah, and then Hanover Oyster River would probably be one C. That's we'll, we'll put them in that order. <laughs> uh, and then uh, um, you know, in this next matchup, you've got a uh, you've got a little bit of history being made. Uh, in the three fourteen game, you've got number three Wyndham hosting uh, number fourteen Alvern, uh, who I'm pretty sure is making its first playoff appearance in program history uh, this year. Uh, you know the Broncos getting in uh, with a six and ten record. Um, you know when you look at some of their scores from this year, at times they've been able to put up a lot of goals. Uh, just in the two two games they played, Wyndham for sure they they weren't able to with Wyndham uh, winning their two meetings fifteen to two. And uh, twenty to four, uh, both both those games back in April. Yeah, and earlier earlier this season too. Uh, you know, it's a it's a uh, it's an Alburn team that when all of their guys are there and available to them, they are they're able to put. They've got some guys that can shoot. Um, Jared Graham going to going to Riviere next year, attacking number twenty five for them. Uh, very good players, shifty, quick release. Um, they've got, they've got some guys that, that can do their face-off guy is pretty good. They were in, they were in a seven, seven game late with Hollis, uh, Hollis this year. So it, it's a dangerous team that, you know, when they put it all together again, I, I think, I think Wyndham definitely has the advantage here. I don't know if, if you're, if you're Albert, even with all your guys, you, you make up 13 or 16 goal differences, but it could be a game that's a lot closer than people might expect. Depending on depending on how uh, you know if Alburn's at full strength coming into that game, you know, and for for Wyndham, hard to say that uh, a, a team that that's been near the top of the standings most of the year is is kind of on the rise. But you know, looking at at, at their what they've done over the the final stretch here, it kind of feels that way. Um, you know, they had that that point in the middle of the year where they lost uh, three out of four, uh, won six in a row since then. With some impressive wins over playoff teams, actually, there are all six of those wins against playoff teams, including, you know, the ones we mentioned there against uh, Timberlane and Hollis Brookline. Yeah, two really, two really good one goal, one goal games. You know, finding finding ways, finding ways to get get the W at, at Timberlane, hosting Hollis, both identical eight seven scores. You know, re- really good wins there. Um, they had uh, during that stretch where they they went through where they lost three out of four. They did they went out to win a cut it and were able to get a 10-5 win. Um, it's a dangerous team. They they can definitely they they're they're as capable of anybody as making a making a run in this tournament. And uh, speaking of win it cut it, they uh, they host the last game uh, in the uh, in the bracket. Uh, they're the number six seed hosting Goffstown uh, in a rematch of a game that took place I don't know maybe two and a half weeks ago uh, with Goffstown playing at win it uh, and the Warriors coming out in a thirteen four win in that one. Um, and and you know. I'm interested to see how Winnicott starts this game, given that they haven't played uh, a whole lot lately. I mean, not only was their last game, um, you know, back on the 23rd, um, so so more than a, a or about 10 days ago, um, you know, they played on the 20th uh, against Oyster River, and then that Goffstown game was their their third to last game of the season, uh, with with two weeks left in the season. So they haven't had a lot of game action um, in the last three weeks. They haven't, but I think it's also not necessarily a bad thing. They've had they've been banged up a little bit. Um, you know, they get their star defenseman Nico Zeno back uh, from 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 an injury earlier in the season. They're getting healthy. Little time to little time for guys to rest up. Um, 
you know, I think I think they're a team. They're a team. You know, when you have Colin Kimball down on attack, you've got uh, you know uh, the McCann brothers. Uh, you know, Caleb White. Um, you know, it's it's a very dangerous. You know, at times when when they uh, when they get it clicking on offense, they can really put up they can really put up big numbers. Um, you know, and with Nash Kelly in the net, they they haven't given up a lot this year. Um, so it, it will be interesting. But I, I for most teams, I, I I think the rest is a good thing for them um yeah. they've been able they've been able to they've been able to get healthy and um you know they may come out a little bit slow but uh you know i i think it'll be i think they'll get it rolling pretty quickly there um you know for Goffstown, uh you know it it's been uh up and down season yeah. for them but again Absolutely. dangerous team dangerous team you know guys like tj smittick um you know hansen at attack um you know bobby schaefer facing off for them uh playing midfield um sean cody and net um, you know, they, they've got some weapons as well. And, and they're a team that, you know, you look at scores and you're not really sure because you, you don't know what guys have been in and out of the lineup for them. Um, when they've had all their guys and they've been healthy, they are they are a dangerous team. I mean, we played them and they, they gave us a great team. Um, you know, they, they were able they were able to frustrate us at times. And um, so I, I know what they're capable of. So I certainly would not uh, I certainly would not count them out in this in this rematch. Yeah, definitely. Up and up and down is is exactly the way I would have described. They start one and three, win four in a row, and then uh, what six out of eight, um, and and they looked like they were in a, in the spot to maybe even host a playoff game, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, drop their last four. Um, you know, so yeah, definitely a, an up and down season. But I think you know just to be in this position in the playoffs, I think was a you know coming into the year we we didn't really know where they were going to end up. Um, right. And, and I think being in the playoffs, uh, as the 11 seed is, is definitely, uh, you know, a good sign for, for their, um, their growth. All right. So yeah, D2, D2 is going to be, uh, D2, some interesting first round matchups there. It may not, it may not go all the chalk in that, in that first round there. Well, I love some upsets, so uh, maybe we'll we'll see some today. So, uh, with all apologies to, uh, to you higher seeded coaches out there, uh, Upsets are fun. Uh, <laughs> um, so, in, and then in Division Three, uh, like Division One, we got a, a play or yeah, a play-in game on Thursday with Guilford going to play Kearsarge in a nine-eight game. Uh, Kearsarge won both games uh, during the regular season. One back on April fourteenth that they played at Kearsarge. The Cougars won twelve to eight, and then in a rematch last Monday or on the excuse me uh, on the twenty-third, um, Kearsarge needed a late goal in that one to win that game eight-seven. Uh, so they'll play for a third time uh, Thursday, and then the winner of that I, game. Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say not easy to beat a team three times. No, absolutely not. Especially when that last one was so close. Um, I was gonna say when when two teams, it you know that that cliche uh, you know is, is applicable only when the two teams are as evenly matched as these two appear to be. When two team when when two teams are are clearly not matched up, then yeah, it's not as hard to beat a team three times in one season, but. <laughs> In this case, you know, you know, you've seen they've been able to get two close wins. You know, Guilford's seen them probably play at their best. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Kearsarge can can hang on and get get a third one here. Yeah, uh, and the winner of that game uh, then gets to go uh, play number one and undefeated Campbell uh, in the quarterfinals on Saturday. Campbell, actually, the uh, the last undefeated team uh, in the state, boys or girls, just to throw that tidbit out there. 
Uh, Coach Knight doing a great job. A lot of lot of uh, lot of pressure and, and expectations coming to the season. They've lived up to it. Been a high powered high powered offense all season long, and um, you know there there hasn't been much that's gotten in their way so far this season. So. Uh, you know, best of luck to them as they as they start the playoff run here. You know, and they they did beat both Guilford and Kearsarge uh, in back to back games at home back in April. Kind of interesting scores where they beat Kearsarge twelve six, and then they beat Guilford thirteen to seven. But that was uh, a long time ago uh, in in regards to the season. And uh, um, yeah, well, I I would uh, be interested to see how that kind of carries over into uh, into a quarterfinal game. Yeah, I, I think it'll carry over pretty well, especially with them getting to host with Campbell getting to host a, a home game there. I, I think it'll I think it'll be fine in terms of uh, you know what they expect. I think again a team that uh, can use the time right now to rest and uh, and get healthy and, and be ready for that that playoff run. And maybe I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think maybe the fir- probably the first uh, home playoff game for Campbell, uh, if I'm not Were mistaken. They at- did they have to play at Trinity last they year? They did. Yep, they played at Trinity yeah. last year. So yeah, I believe their their first home playoff game. Um, of course, the uh, and then um, on the uh, the other half or other side of that half of the bracket, you've got number five Lebanon going to play number four Laconia. Uh, Laconia again won the regular season meeting on April twentieth, uh, six to three, uh, in a, in a stretch of what we talked about last week with Lebanon. Their uh, game penchant for playing. Low-scoring, close games against uh, some of the top teams in the division. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how that turns out. If it holds uh, as another low-scoring game, or or if we get a little bit more uh, goals up on the board in that. It's two te- It's two teams that have played some close. You know, Lebanon has played everybody in pretty low-scoring games there, unless things radically change uh, defensively. You know, either from illness or injury. I, I see that game being another another pretty low scoring game. Um, you know, looking at, looking at all the first round matchups here, we've got potential for some pretty low scoring goalie battles here, defensive goalie battles um, in all the games here. Yeah, the other side, you got um, number seven Trinity going to number two Hawkington, and number six Pelham going to number three Plymouth. Um, the higher seeds won both regular season games there. Uh, just kind of interesting, though, that that like you twisted a little bit that those games in the regular season were on the road for the higher seeds, and now you're coming home um, playing games there, and and um, probably the the biggest difference there. I mean, of course, you got Pelham making the trip to to Plymouth, not an easy drive. Trinity going to Hopkinton, having they played that first time on Trinity's turf, they'll go and play on Hopkinton's grass uh, grass field. So I, I would expect if some maybe maybe not quite as low scoring games or maybe not as close games potentially, but well, I mean that's why they play, right? It definitely definitely plays the Hopkinsons' advantage to to being able to play at home and, and on grass up there. Again, it, you know, uh, the, the goaltending for Trinity is really really strong um, with, with Chase Hunt, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the on their other goaltender's name right now, um, but. You know they they have strong goaltending up there, but playing on grass is a different beast. The ball skips in different directions. It's not a true it's not a true hop. Um, so I, I think um, I, I I like Hopkinson's chances on on their own home turf up there. Oh, you finished that thought off too quick. I was trying to find uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the young man's name from uh, from Trinity there, and I don't know if I did. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, I would well, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> 
hopefully for anyone that uh, is at that Hopkinton Trinity game, it is a little bit higher scoring than uh, than the regular season game, and does not go to triple overtime. Uh, that's those that would be my hope. Um, but I mean, again, it, it's it's um, it's a bunch of a couple of matchups that I you know. Sometimes you get into this this spot where you've got some of these game these games and you just kind of look at them and you know that you know it's it's um the higher seed is is has the potential to dominate and uh I I think me I mean that could happen in some in some of these games but you know it, I don't think it's as as a given as maybe in years past which um you know makes for an exciting weekend of uh, of playoff action it's going to be a very exciting weekend. And, and uh, Nick, where Nick, I, I apologize. Uh, you know, I, I blanked there for a second. Nick is their other, is their other goaltender uh, along with Chase. Um, you know, so whether those guys split halves or whether they, they both play, I think, um, you know, Trinity has a, has a, has a great shot uh, to keep this thing low scoring, um, you know, but uh, Hopkinson definitely has an advantage playing at home there on, on a field that they, they kind of know the bounces with. Yeah. Well, that's uh, those are all of the, uh, First round or preliminary round and quarterfinal matchups there uh, on the boys' side. Any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up for this week? Well, I think we talked about it from the be- from the beginning of the season. Uh, a lot more parity than uh, than in years past. A lot more opportunities for for uh, upsets and for chalk not to hold throughout the season. Um, you know, it it should make for some very interesting. And even if the chalk does hold, it should make for some very entertaining games in the first round. And oftentimes when you know, in years past, it, it hasn't, you know, it's, it's pretty much been a given that these teams are going to make the final four. And, you know, the, these are probably the teams we're going to see in the finals. It, it's not as clear cut in most divisions this year. Um, you know, I think most people coming in expect that Exeter and BG, you know, on different sides of the bracket will, will face each other there, but there, there is some competition there. There, there will be some, there will be some harder games. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, hope everyone gets out and is able to uh, to see some of these games and, and enjoys uh, the competition. And, and coach, good luck to you uh, and your guys. Uh, good luck to everybody uh, playing their playoff games. And uh, and we will uh, we'll talk about them next week. All right. Well, thanks, Joe. We're looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we're hoping that that we advance on Saturday and uh, you get a coach, uh, happy coach Hetler time we talk. <laughs> All right. Well, he is uh, Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. I am uh, Joe Margellina. Thanks again for listening.